computer. Welcome to another piping hot edition of FME Attention Undivided. My name is Dano. I am the I am the Estelle Getty of hip hop criticism. Um, so enjoy that. Enjoy having that. Um, and my guest, very excited, uh, is I Alive, uh, going by uh, Donovan Days on this new record. Uh, so, and it was, I want to tell you because I had been thinking about you before I saw that this record was out. Um, I had been. I've, I've been listening. I was really into Cool Cody and Don, which is your cool. album with uh, Cody Cody Jones, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was telling people on, I was like, it's so stupid, but I love it so much. It's <laughs> it's just such a wonderfully juvenile record, but sometimes like about alcohol abuse or like it's just it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a, it was just an album I could always listen to. But as I was listening to it, and then I listened to I'll Wait Forever because Zilla Rocca was, was pumping that hard. Yeah. Um, and he kills it on that. He's very proud of that song. Uh, Great track. And I was like, he seems restless. He seems <laughs> a, a little unsettled, just like there's like pop punk elements to to cool cody and don there's yeah. surf rock elements uh, there's just a lot of different things going on and i was like man there's this guy wants to do something different like uh, and then when i saw that cover and i saw the donovan days i was like oh this is now this is an issue like i've got to <laughs> we got to talk about this <laughs> well you nailed it i'm definitely restless um and yeah that's uh, i mean that's exactly it. I mean, you, you kind of, this is, this project is like the culmination of, um, of a lot of restless rap years. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was wanted to, I guess that my first question is what, what about the hip hop that you were doing or the lane that you were in wasn't, was causing that restlessness? Do you think, what do you, what did you identify that you needed to do that you weren't being able to do? Um, well, I don't know. I think, you know, like rap is a very rigid genre of music. I think, um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of back and forth, it seems from like, this is, this is real rap or like, this is this type of rap or, you know, boom bap versus trap. Versus, it's so like, um, it's so singular in the way people uh, approach it or think about it and um i don't think there's a lot of room that's given for experimentation within that type of music and um i found myself almost saying like uh like feeling the same way thinking like i like hip-hop i like rap this way and here i am pushing the boundaries and it almost seems like this isn't a rap record or, you know, this, right. this what is this weird delineation or, or do, you know, where is this going from what I want to be doing is maybe further into that weird experimental realm. So 
that's and kind of what led me to this. Yeah. Anybody who, uh, who who's watched Attention Undivided or has seen the has read Phoebe's Gambar knows that I kind of come with my own weird theories that I'm always overthinking things. And so I have a theory about this question about what I think is happening. Sure. Are you interested? Definitely. Okay. So, and, and so I've followed you. I've, I've heard you on call out culture. I've followed some of the, some of the things that you've done. Um, my overall theory is this, is that the type of, of production that you're seeing a lot popular, a lot within independent rap music is very like post Griselda, post Derringer. Oh, totally. So that means that, and then, like I said, that is just what it is. It's not a bad or good thing, but it's atmospheric, right? So it's kind of like that, like sound wave with TDE. It's atmospheric, it's tones, and it's it's brooding, and there's it's like a haunted house kind of stuff. <laughs> and that that your music is very kinetic. Um, okay. It's very active. Um, and it felt like that was maybe the disconnect where you're like, I don't want to give you a Griselda beat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just don't want to do that. I want to do something that, that moves, you know. Right. And so is that is that a fair um fair deal? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's definitely the trend these these days, right? It's like um well, in, in one lane, in one respect. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I tend to, like, if, I've, if I if I start making a beat and I'm like, oh, this sounds like a DJ Premier beat. Right. And I'll trash it. I don't, why, why would I make a, a Premier beat, you know? Or, like, if I, if I start making something that I feel like sounds like I've heard it before or it exists. I, I don't know. I think what drives me is, like, finding new you know some kind of novelty within either the music or the rhymes or something to to just that's gonna make me excited to even finish a song to lead to a project you know that's awesome the uh yeah that's that makes sense there's like what is Zilla Raka said to me on twitter uh <laughs> he said there's only two things that sell new or nostalgia oh yeah and uh, and that that's kind of the the you know grappling that that has to be done here is that if if you do make a premiere type beat mm -hmm. and people love it then you're kind of trapped doing it a lot. Sure, they expect that. That's yeah. That's a, maybe a whole different can of worms. What what an audience expects from someone, but um, but yeah, I could see I could see someone getting bogged down and and having success in in one with one song and it's like right now i'm trapped yep yeah no that's so and the, the other thing listening to uh donovan days was <laughs> i was wondering like how scary was it to own the entire process like how how worried were you about like my voice is carrying this whole thing there isn't really any guests right Right, yeah, there's no guess. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, I have um, on the song "Waiting for the Night." I have oh. um, the Binary Marketing Show. Uh, friends of mine, they they do um, they did they did some additional production on there, but they kind of back. So, yeah, 
And they were they were on I'll Wait Forever, too. But yeah, for the most part, uh, they were, yeah. They're on the track called The Sound, yeah. Yep. Um, they're friends of mine. They're a couple that lives in uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, yes. I know them through Artie Dead Tapes and Records, um, but they're great people. Love them, super talented. Um, definitely more stuff coming from us as a as a unit in the future that's awesome yeah um but uh yeah it's it's scary in the way that like putting yourself out there in a vulnerable way can be scary but it's also like extremely exciting um you know i think i I was like explaining to a friend that there's the the strangest part of it and maybe scary if you think about it is I've been working in the rap world for the past 10 years and trying to like you know make connections and network and you know give yourself some kind of platform for whatever you're doing and and now I'm basically starting from scratch that's right that's right you know none of my peers are really like but there's very few of my musician peers that make me music side of rap you know so I'm kind of coming from a weird place to entering a new space. No, it's, it is, it, it's almost like when you, like your resume is all in insurance and then you like, you go into retail and you're like, Oh no, like this, this applies or how much of this applies or, you know, like, right. um, but I guess in one sense, like as a writer, I've always felt good because I'm in control of everything. Yeah. Right. Like the whole world is mine, you know? Uh, fiction, sure. nonfiction, like I, it's my fault if it goes wrong. Sure, um, sure. And it's and you know, but no one's gonna flake on me, right? Yeah. Um, and now you you have control of everything, um, so you can kind of shape shape it all. Um, yeah. So I guess those two probably work started to work with each other. The the fear yeah. of the new thing and the yeah. I mean, I think when you when you have total control, it's like um, I tend to when working on like a, a solo project, it, it it's painstaking, and and I find myself just kind of like I don't know, it's like you're like the dog that just like licks himself until the hair is yep. gone, you know? Like <laughs> I'll just be like, okay, I, I can't hear this mix again. I have to like just put it aside <laughs> and move on. But um, yeah, when it's when I'm collaborating with people, it's always it's a it's a diff, it's just a different process altogether but definitely faster yep no it's that makes sense the so we're, we're talking about looking at the album you made the process of because this is different right this mm-hmm. is 10 years kind of on the back shelf this is a new thing mm-hmm. you crafted this album differently you had to make it differently yeah. um what did you learn making it and and how much of what you learned are you going to be able to use moving forward Mm. um well i i started incorporating a lot of of, um external gear making this project um uh i started collecting guitar pedals and uh like some small rack mounted units and uh um so I, I've been incorporating that a lot more and getting a lot more physical. And, and also that's probably due to playing guitar and bass more. Um, and uh, 
so that's that's been like the basis for a lot of songs become the bass or the guitar as opposed to like a sample or a loop um and not that they're not still all there but um i've been kind of leaning on the live instrumentation more so that's definitely been something that was new for this record and and i've learned a lot about just kind of new techniques to achieve sounds um and i i think like um yeah i feel i feel comfortable where maybe i wouldn't have before i feel like i could make a full track or a song without using any samples wow that's cool yeah cool. yeah yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> that is very good. And I think, so you played guitar and bass on the on the album? Yeah, yeah. Every guitar and bass on there is me. And so um, that is... Still it, learning. It's different. And what I noticed was that there's still, you know, the rhythm section is still driving in a very kind of hip-hop way. Mm -hmm. but, the, but there is that thickness of psychedelia mm -hmm. um, that that is really interesting um and i was thinking about it, is it of what what we miss the most from donovan's music donovan leach the scottish uh, yeah. singer that like what what we what we kind of miss the most about that kind of music and it's it there is there is a thickness to the sound yeah. um where it was overwhelming yeah you know, we used to put on Epistle to Diddy and just go nuts. Like we just loved the guitar part in that. Um, what What about Donovan's music stands stood out to you? Is Is it a marker in this album for like keeping you focused on where you want to be? Um, Donovan's music. Uh, so my name is Donovan. That's my birth name. So that's where the Donovan days comes from. Okay. Yeah, that's where it comes from. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I enjoy Donovan's music for sure. Um, I think he had great like uh, like pop sensibilities and and like a, a keen uh, ability to have like things be catchy, but and like get like kind of act as an earworm, but also like it doesn't. Um, uh, he's not relying on that to have the song be good. Like his lyrics and the production was always just top notch. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing, the reason I thought it might've been some kind of marker or totem in this thing, mm -hmm. because what I associate Donovan with the most is like the, the insanity of like the experimentation. Right. So he will do a yeah. song like catch the wind, which is just like, an incredibly beautiful Dylan-esque song. And I'm like, man, you could have done the rest of the album like this. Right. And this would have been one of your best albums. And he's like, no, Barabba Jaggle. You know, like he's just going on to the next, do whatever he wants to do. Uh, yeah. So his albums were never like incredibly cohesive. True. Yeah. But he just didn't care about that. Like he just didn't, didn't care at all and wanted to do like as much as he could do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pre Beck kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. He, right. He used a lot of different instruments on each track. Like it was like he could, right. He could have just made a kind of a guitar singer songwriter type of folk record, 60s style. Nope. I guess his early stuff was, right. Like he was, he was copying Dylan, his first couple records. Right. Right. And Dylan hated him. 
think. Yeah. Yeah, I but I don't even I don't connect with those those early albums at all. I think like once he found his own voice, it's like, oh yeah. Like this is I mean, this is better than Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is and we listened to it a lot more than we did Dylan because we because there was always just so much space in it. There was so much exploration yeah. of like Atlantis is sinking and all this stuff. And it was just right. Yeah. He was all over the place. First there's a mountain, then there's not a mountain. Oh, yay. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. And he, but you're right. So you, you would have these songs like Sunshine Superman that is like a perfect pop song. Yeah. Um, but he just, he would move on to the next thing and, and just do it his way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that felt like what the spirit you were trying to connect with here of like, you know, I don't have to do anything that I have done. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's definitely, I, that was a, something I thought that needed to happen moving forward was like, I I need to be like, definitively draw a line in the sand, be like, I live was this, and this new project has a new name. And, and, and it also, it was really <laughs> great in a way, because I could be like, this can sound, however the fuck i want it to sound you know right um, yeah yeah in those regards you know that's awesome so it's a, it, it is like it is acting as like a, a pseudonym like a writer who's mm-hmm. like look i'm experimenting here i'm doing it different um to borrow from me and zilla's obsession with donald westlake but like donald westlake switches into richard stark to write the parker books because they're not going to be funny, and okay. he needs. I'm to, familiar with these authors. He he needs to separate the funny Donald Westlake mystery novels from okay. really hardcore Parker novels, and so that you'll and you'll see this with a lot of important mystery writers. They have like five or six uh, pseudonyms that they wrote oh. on, and yeah. some of them, some of them went and just wrote like romance novels. <laughs> they, they did detours and wrote romance novels and came back and did their stuff and they just all did it under different names yeah uh, so is it, it, is it to make like commercially have a successful book so that you can just make some money to write the next thing or is it and, yeah and, and like as an example the parker books that donald wesley wrote are were hugely successful made into movies mm-hmm. and people really weren't sure that it was him for a while because he kind of left it um, to the side. So it was, it depended on how successful it was and you could keep it going. And he wrote the Parker novels for like 10, 15 years or something wow. and put them away, came back to them. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty cool to be able to do and yeah. have that intellectual freedom um, because there, there are rare people like Bowie was able to, just boldly experiment under his own name because people knew he was that way. Right. Right. But that's hard to do. That's truly fearless. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the record industry was way different during his whole career, but yeah, I mean, he, he experimented so hard until he found success. Right. And then once he did find success, he never stopped experimenting. Totally. Well, yeah. And and he said, I think he said in interviews that he all he wanted to do was be a songwriter and sell his songs to people but they were so weird people wouldn't take them <laughs> yeah um, 
the, the other the other crazy thing about Bowie was I, I've tried to watch a bunch of documentaries about him, but all these documentaries will focus over like, interviewing people he grew up with, and they'll be like, he dressed so weird, his <laughs> hair was long, and I'm like, guys, who cares about his hair? This is a really important artist, um, right? And I think that is definitely like a part of it was back then. It was it, it was so rigid. That mm -hmm. they were just like, look at his boots. What's going on with his boots? Like, right. <laughs> he missed what he was doing. Um, but yeah, that's so. This allows you like that a dual personality situation where you yeah. can slip into one and then slip into the other. Yeah, definitely. One of my questions was, uh, did you envision this these kind of projects to be like gorillas to your blur? Mm, that's a good way to put it. Gorilla, Gorilla's, Gorilla's first record was hugely influential to me. Um, I'm going to be 35 next month. So when that came out, I, was, I think I was in eighth or ninth grade mm -hmm. when the first Gorilla's record came out. Yep. And I was like, this is awesome. What is this? And and someone was like, oh, it's this. And the the first chance I had to figure out what was going on, I was like, oh, Automator produced this right and I was no wonder i love this you know and uh yeah but yeah yeah as far as like yeah think of like right that's kind of an incredible moment in time that damon auburn's being like was able to be like i'll just go behind this curtain and make this wild shit and it's way more successful than blur ever was you know um it was so different because like yeah. they had the cartoon characters right off the bat oh yeah and we were, and it was just kind of, we, I just never seen anything like that. Right. Like I'm, I'm like yeah. a couple years older than you. And we were all like, <clears throat> so they're cartoons, but this is real music, but who did right. the music? And I think it, it didn't snap into reality for me until I heard Del the Funky Homo Sapien yeah. on the song. And I'm like, I know that that's Del the Funky Homo Sapien. You right, right, cartoon right. character, but I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. That was peak Del too. Right yeah oh yeah yeah right right at the yeah i mean that my peak down is probably like no need for alarm kind of sure yeah. yeah so that is that is definitely that and but yeah no that's because it, but it, in the sense that you know gorillas is still a defined sound mm -hmm. and it's stretched and moved sure sure um, you know it included you know soul and included a lot of different things mm -hmm. but it's still gorillas sound so I guess it, you're, you may do this and then do something totally different, but it'll just be, it's like, are we, hold, are you holding Donovan days and growing it or, or are you shooting one-offs out and seeing how they work? Or do you know yet? I, don't know. Uh, I think, I think this is where my focus is going to lie for the next foreseeable future. Um, oh, that's awesome. I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I think like, uh, I was telling somebody like, this is, the, like more who I am than any other project I've ever done is this is this Down of the Days project. And I think it it does feel like in the experimental alternative rock world, if you want, if you will, right. it's like uh, there's there's more forgiveness in terms of blurring the lines of of genre and like what people accept, <laughs> in, right. you know, a certain type of music. So I feel I feel like I could do whatever the fuck I want 
with this project and and it's and it's fine the way that the way that Bowie did and uh and I it, I it always felt a little like is this okay when I was doing stuff under I Alive you know like if I was singing for the whole track and yeah. it's just a loop you know and it's like I don't know so I think I don't know I feel safer to experiment under this so and I do I feel like I'm just gonna keep continuing down this lane that's awesome so that is good I mean it's and obviously you have the ability to slip back into iLive if you need to. Yeah. Uh, but the, you, I'm glad you're vested in this and exploring it. The interesting thing about it um, to me is that I, I, it's so pleasing to listen to. It's such a good, because you are, uh, you have, you have a history with rap production and, you understand how to link these songs, right? How to make song one different than song two, but leading into and part of the whole package. So mm -hmm. this album is more coherent than any Donovan album ever was, right? Because that you, your experience and your this is different. Um, so that you you can press play and go through the whole album and just enjoy it. Um, uh, there's because you know, no, nothing's there's no sore thumbs here. Um, but I don't want people to miss like what this album is about because it's yeah. there's some there's some shit on here, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first spoken words on the album are the world is burning down, but I can't even stop to look around. Yeah. <laughs> so how did? How did this like sonic world that you built out of psychedelia and hip hop drums connect you to this apocalyptic writing that this album has, right? Echo Chamber and all this, it all kind of leads into uh, the world being shitty, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope there's some, I hope there's some hope that shines through in some of these tracks i don't want to be a a pessimist or an nihilist um but yeah i mean so i i had started working on this project like basically in the fall of 2019 and um i i guess i had like maybe five or six tracks that i thought would be the basis of the album and and they they still were kind of in a transitional point so it, it wasn't until February that I started of 2020 that I started like having some some beats or some production that I thought like okay here we go this is this is better than these like full songs that I have written that I thought would go somewhere so by the time I was into it I was furloughed from my job and we were home on lockdown because it was the pandemic right you know? right and um it was a, I mean, shit, I don't need to go in to explain how weird of a time that was. Right, right, no, terrible stuff. Everyone is, but yeah, it's like, I just, you know, it, um, are you in, are you in Philly? No, I'm in Maine, actually. You're in Maine. I, I yeah. thought I saw a Sixers. No, this is, I am, I am there a Sixers it is. fan. I am a Sixers fan through, through, so. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like Philly erupted with with um, protests when George with George Floyd's death and um, uh, and you know, so it was just it was just like fucking chaos in yep. the street.
athletes and um and in the world and it was kind of like everybody's at home and it just felt like such a surreal time i i just i just hold up in the studio and um I, these things kind of came out but yeah and it, and in terms of i got a chance to i think it was like a year ago maybe or a little more um i don't know how it happened but i got a chance to interview billy woods um it, nice it's still kind of a mystery to me who knew who to what but I, I got a chance to do it. It was amazing. And what, one of my first questions for him, because I consider myself a happy pessimist. Um, sure. Just like, I, I know this about the world, but it doesn't mean I can't have fun while I live my life. Um, so I talked to him sure. about pessimism and about how he felt about pessimism. And it was, I mean, I think the bottom line for him was like, I'm just not going to lie to you yeah. about what's happening. Right? Yeah. Like, um, right. I'm not going to tell you something that's not real. So that's what this is. What's real, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what the flavor of this album is, <clears throat> from a lyrical perspective. Um, yeah, you know, and and some of it isn't just about the apocalyptic stuff. It's about groupthink. You know, um, sure, sure. We'll we'll get into that. But so I want to ask you. Yeah. Because for me, in terms of lyricism, uh, via violence is a real, that's a real song of a song. That, that's a heck of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, it, that was the song that snapped me into it and was like, wow, this is, he's saying stuff. Let me, I, I put some of it in the chat here. Who's sleeping? Is it us or is it them? Why does division express all our sentiments? Is the human spirit built to preserve and overcome? Is overcoming via violence the only way to get it done? Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It is it is heavy. It's uh I don't know. I think we should talk about this more as like a society. Um I I so the basis of that song came from uh, I read a book called The Chalice and the Blade. Um by Rain Eisler. Um, and it's basically the the study of the early Neolithic cultures and how they essentially were uh, the foundation for early society, the way that we know them. They, they kind of like started government and um, uh, farming and agriculture. And, and they had... Uh, a lot of them were goddess worshiping cultures um, and they were, they were kind of utopian and they were peaceful. And, and there was uh, like a lot of European um, like nomadic tribes. And so they just, they just came in and, and these, these like peaceful cultures had no weapons and no armies cause they just was foreign to them. So they got destroyed and decimated by these nomadic tribes. But um but yeah, I think, and she just really kind of pitches this idea that like, uh, it just sucks that like we live in this dominator culture, the term she gives it, where it's about um, uh, basically power comes from dominating everyone else. And it, and it does come from a masculine place, um, but that's, it, you know, without just talking about the book the whole time, that's that's where that song came from. And these ideas kind of are presented from Ray Eisler's book. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. That's um, good to know. I mean, it, and there's um, some of it like links to our values societally where mm-hmm. one of the things I've always been deeply uncomfortable with is how, how much we link sex and violence, mm. right? How much we link like from, like from a pure censorship perspective, right? I'm raising sure. a seven-year-old right now and I'm supposed to censor both things evenly, but it does, that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Like sex is, is not as bad as violence, right? If, if it's in most situations. Um, so, and it's, it just seems like we've, we've put everything into that tier and we've accepted violence so much uh, that we've, yeah. we've lost something as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's interesting. It's like violence is entertainment for us. And uh, I don't know what that says about us as, as like just human beings or if, if it's like, you know, kind of a learned thing. Is it, is it nature versus nurture type of, type of situation? Um, but yeah, I know that that must be really challenging. I don't have any kids and I can't imagine crossing these roads because I'm, I'm just trying to figure them out myself as, as a 35 year old man, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I think, cause I think violence is necessary because of the world we live in, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, I think I was like in my twenties, I was a pacifist and I realized that that comes from a pr- place of privilege. You know, right. it's like, I don't need to be violent cause I'm fucking, I have everything I need. So if, so in order to kind of like achieve anything in the way that our society as a globe is set up, it's, we have to dominate one another to get anywhere, whether that's like a labor strike or a war, you know? Yeah, no. And, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's that de- to me, it's definitely about setting your values and ethics, like in a way that, that makes sense. Like, and and living through those i mean i was i'm I'm still a big like peace first person sure but um it's not like it has to live in the real world right it has to it has to be a part of the real world um Mm -hmm. and it has to be and and that's the hard thing about teaching teaching the kid is that i can't teach him all the shit i know because hopefully when he grows up it'll be better than it, than i know it to be i hope so, I hope so. <laughs> my experience my survival skills will be outdated yeah and it'll just be better right yeah um, but so you 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 hesitate on that stuff and that's when you can learn stuff from the kid right the kid can be like no actually daddy it's this and you're like oh <laughs> okay yeah. Maybe people aren't scumbags anymore in that way. That's interesting. So, right, right. It's it's difficult, but yeah, that's. I mean, when you when you finish that song, how? I mean, that must have been that must have been a wait. You know. Yeah, I think like uh, it was hard. I had a full kind of like third verse written to that track. I think, and I've just felt like I could just I could go on and on about yeah, that, yeah. but really what I was just saying is this, you know, I just kept like the chorus really is what I wanted to get across. So I I paired that back and yeah. 
the the other thing it that's that really runs through this not just like how terrible the world is but there's also a, like a group think discussion in this album mm. which like is a part of that restlessness we talked about right yeah um, echo chamber is about that but right via violence you say the highest form of bravery is breaking from the crowd right um and i remember like being like oh that that links to what i was feeling you know with that restlessness of you know i might i just might not want to soundtrack your you know joyous gun violence record anymore you know i might <laughs> i might not want to do that um, yeah it's yeah so that's interesting yeah i think uh it's it's a strange time in history where we have social media I feel like if you were to tell, you know, major kind of thought leaders and uh, scientists in the, in the, you know, early 20th century, like what, what do you, what do you think the future is going to look like? I doubt anyone would be like social media, you know? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And, and, and uh, it's kind of like, I don't know. I've been feeling these, these things for a while being like this this can't be good you know like and uh and then this documentary uh the social dilemma yep, yep. is available on netflix did you see this i have not uh, oh it's 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 not awesome but it's eye-opening and it's like uh it's very interesting i think just as a person um uh kind of the way that it plays on our society and vice versa but um but yeah i don't know i think it it kind of has created mob mentality on like a much larger scale than we expected. Um, yep. And I think mob mentality is a bad thing ultimately. Um, yeah. No, you know, I, it's like, I don't know. I praise individuality and I think everyone should be able to be an individual and, and it's, but also it's like, right. We need community. We need to come together. I don't want to be a complete hermit, but Right, right. No, and I think there are things, there are definitely times when you can present violent images and move discussions forward. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of good, vivid writing uh, about situations uh, that, you know, that really stick with you. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Teller Banks. Um, uh, what is that? Teller Banks. He's uh, he's done a lot of stuff with Sleep Sinatra, who was on your album there. But he's okay, okay, yeah. I feel like I've seen that name. So he's he released an album called uh, the the uh, grotesque and the beautiful uh, last year, and it was a lot of it was centered around the fact that his cousin is is in prison for the rest of his life, okay. um, and is this kind of a part of this, the story that he weaves and talking about all these different perspectives and how violence plays out. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, he had the song about, about the police with, uh, with sleep called the uh, piggy pop. And it was, it, it, there was some real hard stuff on there. Yeah. But it was in discussion of like, you know, this is a society that, is already against us 
and then the police are double that, you know? And so it, yeah, that's a helpful part of the conversation, even though it's dark imagery, right? Dark doesn't mean bad. It doesn't mean good. Right. Just it, there's beneficial and non-beneficial stuff, I think. Definitely. I, I always tell people that I think your music intake is kind of like a diet. Yeah. And it can't be all junk food. Right. Oh, totally. But, but I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with a little junk food, right? Like, so yeah. it's a, it's a balance. So I think, I think you, you have to balance what you're putting into yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but you're the interesting thing about this Donovan days album is it's going to be reviewed differently. It's going to be reviewed by a different set of people. Right. 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 When it flows, if it flows through a place like pitchfork or stereo gum, they're not going to give it to the rap guy. They're right. going to give it to the rock guy. Right. Um, so, and that's interesting to hear what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this is going to be received on the larger scale like that. Um, and that's, you know, that's definitely a thought I've had. It's like, um, I don't know, as a, as an art form, you can't deny that rap is a, it's a black art form. Right. Um, and right. I feel like taking up the space as a white male, it's like, I don't know if, if I'm already kind of like pushing this boundary, it's like, maybe, maybe I don't need to take up this space, you know, like I used to feel that it was necessary. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I've, I've always thought of myself as a guest, basically. Totally, same. So, like, you know, and I, I can be a good guest, right? Yeah. Uh, but that means I don't take ownership of cool shit, right? right? I, I spend my right. time telling people to listen to other people who do cool shit. Um, and, you know, that's hopefully it helps them out. Um, but it is the responsibility I have because I live in Maine. I live in New England. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who maybe don't understand some of the complaints that are national, right? Because we live in a very sheltered environment. And so I will take up those discussions. I will speak on, you know, racism or whatever or prejudice and uh, try, try and help people out <clears throat> just in that sense. Yeah. You know, there was a there's a poetry class I was taking in, in uh, USM, University of Southern Maine. There was no black people in it at all. No people of color at all. Yeah. And we were reading a book about racism and we had to talk about it and everybody was really quiet and nervous. And I was like, all right, I'll lead you here. Right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm friends with many black people. I'm, I've been the only Jewish person around for a, a while. I'm very yeah. comfortable talking about what otherism is like. Uh, because I've, I've done a lot of listening. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance to keep yourself healthy and right. But, but as a hip hop producer, yeah, you can still be very helpful to people, right? Like you can still yeah. give people sound because your sound is different from what they're going to get all the time. Right. You can, you can be helpful with them. Uh, right this was one of the things I was going to ask. It's like the last real question I have, which is because a lot of people love I'll wait forever. It's a really good, 
cohesive project. Um, And even there, you can see a bunch of different kind of rock stuff or alternative stuff moving in. Uh, That was very good. Uh, But if you were, and and so it it sounds like there's already an answer here, but if you had to, if you were going to do a full album with anyone from I'll wait forever, who would it be? Oh, uh, man, there's so many people. I basically got all my favorite people to be involved with that record. Um, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, um, cause I, you know, it's like, I could just put every one of my close friends on there and it would be a certain project, but I did, you know, I reached out to different, different people. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to get all my favorites. Um, I would, I would love to produce a full record fleet Sinatra. I would love to do a full record, um, with my man DT, who's from the Difference Machine. Um, uh, it, I mean, yeah, I, basically everyone on there, I think alone, if, if I haven't already done a project with them, I, right. I think like I, I, I would really, I could go down everyone, every lane yep. on the record. Um, yeah, and, and uh, me and the Binary Marketing Show are definitely gonna do some work in the future, so. Yeah, that was what I figured was. That's in the works, for yeah. sure. The, I mean, I have, I have a, a top four because I, I had I have three I had three written down, but Googie is number four. I love Googie. Oh yeah, I yeah. would love that. Would be that would be incredible. Yeah, right. Googie is so much fun. Uh, Schmiggles is such a great album, and and Hijinks is such a great album. He would him and you would just that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Torito. Oh yeah. I love Meat Circus. I love, I think it would be, yeah, that would be very cool. Torito is my homie. We uh, we used to live around the corner from each other and um, we toured together, me, him, and Darko. Um, yeah, we, we are consist- consistently and constantly collaborating. He actually just sent me a track to get on. So he's working on a, a new project. So very yeah, cool. that, that should be coming out at some point in the near I future. Love- yeah, yeah. He's, he was great. I love that album. And uh, obviously, second really is Curly Castro, who I think in 2020 became just one of the best artists out there. I mean, with his, he was saying on Call Out Culture that he always he hates his hooks and he doesn't think he's good at hooks. And I think he was one of the best people at doing hooks in 2020. I um, agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't. That's kind of wild that he feels that way. It makes sense to me in the sense that when you're an artist, you re, you re, you know what you can do easily and what you can't do easily. Mm-hmm. So you focus your attention on what you can't do easily, and you become so good at it. Right, right. <laughs> that it, that it, it becomes like a standout for other people, and they're saying, "You know what? You're great at that." And you're saying, "What do you mean? No, I'm. This is. It takes me a long time to get these right. Whereas this, I can rock out." So. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of what happened there, probably. But sure. Uh, but yeah, no, his he he has some really interesting like depth to his lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also yeah. born to rap, you know, just born to rap. Definitely, and one like a natural voice too. That's just so good. Um, uh, and the, so I'm actually I'm mixing uh, Castro's new solo record currently. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's not up to me to spill any type of beans, sure, sure. but 
I'm doing that. And uh, I can tell you that it's incredible um, from a, from a fan point, from a fan perspective. So Castro is one of these people who can kind of take himself above the, the full view of something and, and give it a concept that kind of throughout and not make it seem like it's a forced concept record or like a movie, you know, in, in like a, I think that gets really campy really fast and, and really kind of like stale. It doesn't make the songs like listenable. It's like, okay, yeah, I saw that movie or something, but yeah, Castro has a really interesting, unique, talented way of, of being able to, to have like thread something all the way through. And have the vision, yeah. Love it. I mean, and I, I was, I got a chance last night. This is the crazy thing I was able to do was I, I was able to do, like a music discussion. We do a weekly music discussion called State of the Game, and yeah. our guest was Fat Tony. Okay, cool. And we we broke down like the first three albums of Devin the Dude, uh, and one of the things that we kept talking about was. He doesn't just write the song; he designs the song. Sure, yeah. So, like, yes, the verses perfectly connect with the hook, but that's writing the song, right? The design of the song is like what it what it means. the The omniscient overview of what it means and the imagery you can see, right? You can yeah. see what's happening, um, and that flows into the next one. And Cat, you're right; Castro has that. He does. He absolutely. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yes. He's a designer. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's that's a phenomenon happens when you are just a writer and an MC because Castro doesn't make beats. He's not a producer. Right. And I think I've always struggled as an MC to be able to do that and see that in someone else's production because I've always had the ability and control to be like the beat needs to flip here or like this needs a drop or it needs a change or I need I can manipulate this song with the production as well which I think made me a better producer but I was relying on the production as opposed to the writing where someone like Castro can just make that all happen over it could be a half bar loop that goes for three minutes, but it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, it's such a great point. And it kind of, it makes me think that like, when you're talking about art, I think I, people who don't make art, like when I was putting out, I put out a book last year or 2019 uh, and my second book and people, oh, wow. were, people were like, Oh, you know, like, like, how did you do it? Or like, the, you know, people who don't do it will come to you and say, how do you, right. how does the inspiration come to you or whatever, whatever. And it's, they think of it like it's kind of like there's magic in it or whatever. Uh, yeah. But I, the people who are great at it, I've always seen them kind of look at it like a mechanic looking at a car. Right. Right. <laughs> They're like, no, you put that, you take that over here, you move that here. Like they can, they can see all the pieces and how they come together and how they would come together in other shapes. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's how Castro is on the verse, and that's how that's how you are on the boards, right? Like you you could easily rearrange those pieces, but your comfort zone is there. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. My number one is Sleep Sinatra. 
Cool. Yeah. Sleep's my dude. He's, uh, I, I love Sleep Sinatra. He's in the album we just put out with August Fanon is uh, phenomenal and a huge step for him. And I think he's got, but he, the thing is, he's got such a smooth delivery. Yeah. I don't want that to work against him. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, you know, Zilla was talking about this in regards to Boldy James, because I was okay. like, Boldy should do an album with DJ Muggs. He said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> he says, Boldy needs warm production. He needs warm textures behind him because he's ice cold, right? Uh, um, and I think that makes sense. And I think the kinetic energy of your production with sleeps like in pocketness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would be would that those textures make sense for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would really like to do that. I'm a fan of of sleep. Um yeah, I think that's that's the that's an interesting kind of like area that I that I'm interested in as I was a producer. Um, and I think, I mean, not to, not to get away from it, but like, I think that's maybe where I alive is going to live in this kind of producer position. Um, but I really enjoy doing that. Right. Like I like, if someone is, is so smooth, it's like, let's make the beat take up the space in where their voice isn't or, or vice versa. You know, if someone is, someone is way kinetic, give them a baseline. Yeah. I, I really like, uh, I would like to work with people more in person as like a, an overarching producer and not just like make a beat for them, you know? Yeah. I like to have full control of the music. So. And I think Alchemist has kind of put, put that as a model out there now that like it kind of makes more sense to just lock in do yeah. a full project yeah uh, make sure it sounds good and sounds how both people want it to sound yeah um, absolutely and then put that out there mugs as well yeah so that that hopefully but you're right with the um, major on mcnichols like comes to mind with like that really dropped like a bomb on everybody because Sterling Tolls who produced it, like put all these jazz layers like over Boldy, Boldy James. And the, it, he wanted the song to sound like it was challenging Boldy James. Yeah. Like the environment, the noise and the cluster of the environment is, is something he has to get through. Huh? And is it hard to listen to? I'm, I haven't well, it's listened beautiful. to it. It's beautiful. Oh, okay. to he like he worked on it for, I don't know, like years, years and years and years. Oh and wow! He, he's like a jazz guy, so whenever a like a jazz trumpeter would would come in uh, to Detroit, he would have them like punch in something on three tracks, you know. Oh wow! Yeah. And he patched it together just over years and years, and when he told Boldy, like, it's almost ready, I'm going to put it out this year, Boldy's like, let me, let me punch, let me do some stuff, you know, and he, uh, yeah, with some extra stuff, so, uh, that's cool. no, Major on Nichols is one of the coolest sounding rap albums in recent years. I love to check it out, I'm sleeping. You have to, man, it's, it's, and it, it is exactly what, what you're talking about with, like, challenging the steady voice, that's, it's yeah. challenging the steady voice in that, um, yeah, so I would, I would love to see that, and, 
there's obviously other people, right? Like uh, Lieutenant Head Trip, Darko the Super. There's just a lot of cool people. Yeah. Shop local, local makes me laugh out loud. Just, just yeah, time. it's great. Uh, <laughs> Ray Strife screaming in the back. <laughs> oh, so good, so good. So, but yeah, that's that's exciting, man. Did you you feel good about 2020 and what you were able to achieve with those two projects? Yeah, musically, I feel great about 2020. Um, I mean, it uh, it was nice to have a break from working. 40 plus hours a week uh, to be able to dedicate more time in my studio. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I feel it's kind of interesting. I feel like I'll wait forever is the most successful I alive record that I've done. And, and uh, I've, I found it ironic that it's like, well, my voice really isn't on it. <laughs> it's like, maybe I should stop rapping, <laughs> but, but um. But no, like I, I think, uh, I think it was just a different type of record, and um, and obviously, if you have a million MCs on there, it's, you're gonna get much more eyes on it on a project. Yeah. Yep. People are all checking and promoting in different ways. But um, yeah, 2020 musically for me, I would definitely say is a success. I'm really excited to getting this vaccine pumped through our nation. So right, save ourselves from ourselves. Um, yep. I, w- I would like to tour again. I'm excited to do that. Definitely. This is Reggie. He was, he's been hanging out here the whole time. Yep. I've locked my cats up. I've, I've been a very aggressive cat and I don't want to be around this process. We would have heard him at the door all day if he wasn't on my lap. So, yep. With the, but yeah, you know, the cool thing about 2020 for you is I think you moved in this direction, right? Like, uh, where mm-hmm. I'll wait forever is a rap record but it kind of becomes a different kind of record over the course of the songs. There's like, there's more alternative sounds. There's different sounds woven in. And then you go to cool Cody and Jen and Don, and there's, there's a lot of different sounds. And I think you're, you've prepped your audience for a transition here. Um, Cool. That's good to hear. Cause I, I feel like, I, I wasn't attempting to do that, but if, if, I mean, that's, that's awesome yeah. that it works out that way. I support it, man. I'm, I'm, I want more people to hear about it, think about it uh, and check it out because it is, it's a fun album. And I think it's an album that's going to change the course of your career. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you checking it out and, and giving me some, some, space to talk about it yeah yeah no it's um so i'm i'm I, i'm interested in what what happens after that and uh there's uh so yeah we'll let me we will we'll end this episode i have something to talk about you offline sir something oh yeah for sure. it's exciting thank you for watching fme attention undivided subscribe to the youtube channel live peacefully